Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. From Providence, Rhode Island, welcome back to the Potterverse. It's a podcast dedicated to the book and film universe of Harry Potter. So grab your favorite wands and time turners. Let's step into the night and pursue that flighty temptress adventure. Hi, everyone, and welcome. My name is Mary Larson. My name is Blake, and we're back, baby. We are back, and we are actually doing this podcast live. We have not been able to do a Potterverse live in so long, so friends who are watching live, give us a little hello. It's been a long time, so you know, shout out where you're from, what your house is, and um, if you would like a Niffler, I'd like to know that in the comments, of course, and don't forget if you are sharing this to comment Expecto Patronum. All right, so here we are. We are in Chapter 12. 28, The Madness of Mr. Crouch. Master ill? Her bottom lip began to tremble. But we're not sure if that's true, said Hermione quickly. Master is needing his winky, whimpered the elf. Master cannot manage all by himself. Other people manage to do their own housework, you know, Winky, Hermione said severely. Winky is not only doing housework for Mr. Crouch, Winky squeaked indignantly, swaying worse than ever and slopping Butterbeer down her already heavily stained blouse. Master is trusting Winky with the most important, the most secret. What? said Harry. But Winky shook her head very hard, spilling more Butterbeer down herself. Poor Winky. Poor I mean, Winky. Winky. Uh, poor thing. Poor thing, right? Yeah, that's that's that that is uh, not great, Bob. That's one of those nights that you have, you know, when you like you go to the club and you realize, like, you know, the boy that you like isn't dancing with you, and you just get you just get hammered, and you realize, but he. <laughs> That was never me, so don't worry, friends. (laughs) But yeah, Winky is not in a good state. I will say that um, this, of course, is the fourth book in the Harry Potter series, and we talk a lot about... Hold on, you you, you, you hit something. That I will sit with you on the stage. We're playing. Until everyone in this audience gets bored and tired and leaves. You were playing audio. Actually, you were playing the clip, apparently, from This Is Us that Whoops. I was going to play for This Is Us too. Well, what I was trying to say is that this <laughs> is a very awkward chapter and situation to talk about with young kids. And I know that there are people young and old who listen to the Potterverse. And um, obviously, like being in different countries, there's different drinking ages there's different scenarios where maybe younger people will have a little bit of alcohol at a family event in different ages than they do where Blake and I are in the US and so it's just very interesting 
to have to talk about what was wrong with Winky and how Winky was drunk and mm-hmm. what drunk means and how people get drunk. And uh, the kids didn't understand, like, oh, mom and dad, like, why is Winky getting drunk on butter beer? And the kids drink butter beer and we drink butter beer, you know? Yeah. So um, it's just, it's interesting. It's interesting when characters in Harry Potter imbibe in alcohol and sometimes too much and having to explain that situation to some young kids. So if anyone else went through that chapter and had the same situation, I'm right there with you. So (laughs) that's part of the reason I wanted to read this because, you know, she's she's peeling back the layers of something very important. But yet also it was an interesting car conversation with our eight and six year olds. So before we get into the rest of this uh, episode, once again, we want to say, well, well, this is a podcast episode. Yeah. Yeah. Um, We want to thank all of our friends at jointhenerdclan.com. All of you who are watching live, if you are a member at jointhenerdclan.com, give us a hashtag go nerd clan go. So you can see each other and continue the conversation there. Uh, Jointhenerdclan.com is essentially the way that you can keep the Potterverse going. You can keep this little piece of Lumos in a time of Nox. At the time that we are recording this right now, there is some crazy stuff going on between Russia and Ukraine, and it's hard sometimes to disassociate uh, from the realness of the world and the things that are going on. But on the flip side, I find things like Harry Potter and connecting with people over fandoms and going live on Facebook, even though I'm super duper tired (laughs) um, and connecting with you all, with all the fellow Potter nerds, Potter, you know, fans in the world. Um, to be that Lumos in a time of knock. So thank you for taking this time to hang out with us through your ear pods and earbuds. And if we do make a difference in your life, head on over to jointhenerdclan.com so you can make a difference in ours. All right, let's get into the show. I solemnly swear that I'm up to no good. All right, so to recap once again, this chapter is called The Madness of Mr. Crouch. And as a quick synopsis, which I'm not going to lie, is a little hard with this chapter because it's all over the place. It's a cornucopia of things. Um, Harry, Von Hermione, go down to the kitchens, meet up with all the elves, have the drunken winky situation happen. Uh, they send some food to Sirius Black, which is great. Um, Hermione gets some really bad food not fan mail uh, in regards to people who are upset with her. Hagrid has some really cute nifflers, which is exciting. And um, Harry learns that the third task is going to be a maze. While he's learning about that, Victor Crumb and he find Barty Crouch Sr., who's going bananas. And Harry goes to try to save the day. And instead, supposedly, um, Barty Crouch Sr. stuns Crumb and um, gets attacks Crumb and runs away, supposedly. Wink, wink. <laughs> it's a lot it's, it's a, a lot. lot this chapter this is one of those chapters that uh the i think the author needed to write to start transitioning from the wee hogwarts stuff to like okay this is the this is the real story that we're telling here and there's no other way to uh there's no other way to transition into this other than just doing it and body crouch senior coming out of the uh, coming out of the woods is like that's so bananas and bonkers that 
whatevs. Like, well, supposedly this was kind of like named after the madness of is it King Edward the Third who also kind of went mad and was known to be like speaking to trees. Yeah, not and great. so even the fact that Barty Crouch is kind of speaking to oak trees. Oh no! Ouch! It just shocked myself and something happened to a monitor. <laughs> um, is <laughs> you like short circuited our system? I know. I've. <laughs> I'm like a half witch myself. So it's just, it's an interesting bit. Um, But a lot of things happen. And what's interesting with this chapter is as carefully contrived that the author made it, Mm. one thing being different would have set this whole thing off differently. I mean, if you think about like, what if Harry said, Crumb, can you go get an adult? You don't know Barty Crouch Sr. I do. Yeah, yeah. So why don't you go get somebody? Or can you help me take this babbling, bumbling baboon up to the castle? Because he's big and I need your help. Maybe the two of us can go do it together. What if like Snape hadn't talked to him? Yeah. You know, all these different things. Um, what if Dumbledore just like snapped his fingers or apparated right to the spot? Why did he have to walk fast? He's Dumbledore. Rules don't apply to him on Hogwarts grounds. Yeah. You can bippity-boppity-boo anywhere. So there's a lot of things that the author does, I think, to make the chapter happen. happen. I, yes. And this is, I feel like... King George the Third. Tiffany feel, helped me with the, with oh, the king. thank you, Tiffany. Mad. I think it... Uh, hmm. It, I think this chapter is very writerly, and it can be elegant if you squint at it, but... You're right, Mary. There are a lot of things in this chapter that happen because the story needs it to happen, not because that's what would organically happen, in my opinion. Uh, And that, I think, it would be, like you said, Dumbledore uh, disapparating and apparating into the places that he needs to go. Um, Or even Harry being like, yeah, you know what, Crumb, why'd you stick around here? You just wait. Wait for me and we'll figure it all out. And then even Faux Moody going out and doing what he needs to do. Um, I, I think there are a lot of a, a lot of circumstances that are contrived that make this chapter work the way that it's supposed to. Um, and it, that's not bad. Sometimes I think when you're in a, a plot-heavy story like The Goblet of Fire, sometimes you just got to do what you got to do in order to make it work. And, and and that's what you do. And I think that's what the author did in this chapter uh, in order to transition it from um, the, 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 all the stuff that's going on and in, in trans, transfer it and transform it into the story that she ultimately really wanted to tell to begin with. Yeah, it needed this big, like, kid's story is done. <laughs> even though kids still read it. You know, and that's why it's interesting even having this like drunken winky element into it. Yeah. Um, you know, really the shift does have to happen and um all these breadcrumbs do have to start being laid out. Yeah, I think about just showing up to the kitchens and just seeing this little teeny tiny house elf just hammered. Um and blubbering and then getting covered by a, a a red checked like tablecloth to pretend that she's nothing not nothing to there. see here. Yeah, like yeah, NBD. We just got some sloshed house elf. As Tiffany says, no more wee Hogwarts. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, I think that I think the wee Hogwarts uh, is probably done for now. 
except for maybe Half Blood Prince. Uh, at that point, we get a little bit of he- Wee Hogwarts. You know, back. Dumbledore dies, right? Oh, I know, but there was still some Wee Hogwarts stuff in that. Uh, Weasley is my king. Weasley is our king. The the Quidditch, the the love potion, like that's some Wee Hogwarts stuff. Mm. No, yeah. no, I definitely think that there's some. Yeah, there's some merry. There's some merriness, or just like yes. teenager fun. But yes, I think this does. I, Rachel says it's getting serious now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, uh, exactly. Um, what what I do love about this chapter is we get all this plot stuff done, and this is something that the author is really starting to do a lot within this book, is giving us important bits, just like she had done previously in the previous chapter. Yeah, yeah. But adding just some of the Potterverse, part of the magical wizarding world, in it to kind of distract us. You know, as I said, there was a lot that happened in this chapter. I mean, we got to hang with Nifflers for quite some time. Harry literally sits watching Hagrid for hours. (laughs) Hanging out with Nifflers. Digging up his garden and stuff. Like, we get to see... There's several. I mean, I think there's easily over seven different types of of owls mentioned in this chapter alone. So it's just pretty interesting, you know, hanging out down in the kitchens with all the house elves and kind of understanding them a little bit more. So it's really just um, peeling back more layers of this wizarding world. Do you know what I, I love most about this chapter? No. This kind of mocks the end of Spew. Like, th- this, I feel like, is probably going to be the last we hear of Spew in any capacity. And I don't think I could be any more thankful. Uh, because the, it's it's such a an indictment. Interesting. It's such an indictment on Spew. Um, and how everything just kind of gets, is left... The way that it was, despite Hermione's protestations, uh, and it almost feels like an acknowledgement from the author that Spew in and of itself is um, immature and irrelevant and uh, not worthy of our time, almost, or at least the way that it was framed is not worthy of our time. And the fact that all the elves just push Hermione out and even even Dobby and was is like, like stop it why, why don't we just stop chill out it. here like let's 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 calm down it's like when you're being outed about your different political beliefs at you know family dinners oh, when you're like yeah. I didn't even want to have this conversation <laughs> yeah because not only is Hermione you know ostracizing herself a little bit and her friends now she's making it so that Dobby is going to feel a little ostracized. Like, look at Dobby. Why can't you be more like Dobby? You know, like Dobby's for, and Dobby's like, shut up. Like, I, I'm happy. We're all happy here. Chill, relax, get off my case. Mm-hmm. Uh, get off, as Bethany says, get off my jock. Like, that's what Dobby is feeling at this moment. And it's hard to not, it's hard to blame him. Um, because, Again, the way that Hermione handled Spew and the way that she continued to point her – wag her finger at the, at, at the house elves in their presence was pretty remarkable for somebody to do. Like, Yeah, well, if you think about it, like Winky is a grown adult 
house elf. Winky isn't a four-year-old. And whether it's the, the sheer size of the house elf versus the size of human Hermione or yeah, Hermione being on this, you know, white horse gallantly coming in thinking I can save the day because even though Hermione thinks they should be treated as equal, she's speaking down to Winky right. as like, an individual. Yeah, so... It is very difficult, and so you can see how the other house elves push her out. And it is interesting to know which house elves are dressed poorly, Mm -hmm. whereas the house elves who are proud of their job, who are fine and don't necessarily need their wages and are happy to be working in Hogwarts, they still kind of like hold themselves with with pride Mm -hmm. in how they take care. Yes, it's still like a rag, but it's a nice rag. And And they they, they take care of it. Yes, yeah, exactly. Like, you know, they're proud of their kind of uniform. And then you look at people who are unhappy. We look at at Dobby himself, you know, in that gross rag. Or we we look towards the future, towards Creature. And we now look at Winky, who's super sad and is in this gross, you know, rags, essentially. So it's just an interesting thing that, you know, I'm glad Hermione is having these conversations with these house elves Mm -hmm. because... It does help open her eyes, you know, and I think that it's interesting, too, when you think about other people's jobs, you know, just in society nowadays, like you might look at something and be like, oh, my God, I would never want to do that. And to someone else, it might be their dream or they might find a lot of um, joy out of it and they might. We talk about Mosley all the time from Downton Abbey. You know, there are people who do like to help serve and others. Yeah, like they, that's their mm-hmm. job, and they're happy with that job. Um, Rachel here says it's almost, and and Allison here. They, but Rachel says it's kind, it kind of borderlines white saviorism. Um, and I know Rachel had mentioned this uh, in one of our previous episodes, and I, I intended to talk about it. Um, yeah, I, I think, yes, I, I think it is in that vein, um, which again, I, I, I think exemplifies and. It, it implies how naive Spew is, uh, and and especially the way that it's carried out. I wouldn't say it's as um, as as a tool. I wouldn't say that it's is as abjectly um, awful as white saviorism um, and all of that. But I would say that it's 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 a it's a it's a distant cousin. And because um, when was this? Was this? Yeah, this was two thousand. So you think about that term being like really heavily used more now. It's a more modern. Um, like I don't know if that was the way that necessarily 14-year-olds were being taught things in society. Sure. So, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I would say that there's a better recognition of it now. Um, I think there's a better recognition of it recognition of it now not only in like in our world, but also in storytelling because it's not it's almost like um there, there are certain tropes, right, to any kind of storytelling, whether it's like, you know, um, you know, putting the damsel in distress or putting, putting, uh, putting the, the woman in the refrigerator, locking her up in the refrigerator. Um, or Refrigerator? Yeah, it's like when you refrigerate the girl. Like, that means, like... I have no idea. That is so mean, gross. It mean, All it, I think about is Punky Brewster, the episode. <laughs> it means, like, when... 
you you take I've never a, heard of this. You We're, take like a loved one, like a girl, like a wife, and you put her in danger so that the guy can rescue her, and that is how the story transforms. Why does she have to be in a refrigerator? Uh, I, I can't I can't remember the the origin of the the terminology, but. Um, hold on. If you vamp for me for a minute, I, I will. Do. As I said, I'm just all I'm having is bad memories of Punky Brewster. So anyone else who knows what I'm talking about, you got to let me know. All right. So we've got this <laughs> this situation going on, and um, after after which Harry's just watching Hagrid for a nice long time. You know, we get the owls flying in and out, and um, we then have Hagrid digging up and Harry's just wondering, like, is he planting a garden? How's this all happening? And of course, we find out later it's for the Niffler exercise, which friends who have watched Fantastic Beasts, of course, must be so excited because we all know and love Nifflers and we don't get to see them uh, in Goblet of Fire. So it is kind of fun. And uh, fun fact, by the way. So um, Blake and I were able to go see the Batman and the trailer for the new Fantastic Beasts movie, telling you, because of the amount of Hogwarts that is involved, y'all are going to be happy. Oh, man. The, the, the trailer for the new Hogwarts, for, for the new Hogwarts movie, that's basically what it was. Yeah. Um, but the trailer for the new Fantastic Beasts movie convinced me even further that it should never have been Newt. And it should never have been Fantastic Beasts. It should have just been The Secrets of Dumbledore, a, a Harry Potter story. We're just we're well, just gonna have to find out because if beasts are what actually defeats Grindelwald, uh, then it makes sense. Just saying. I don't know. We'll we'll wait and see. But I actually am really excited about this trailer and all the Hogwarts time, and it's just more of that magic. The one thing so I'm excited. I will for... say that it feels like the 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 last movie. But the one thing that keeps my interest peaked is it's the same director, which I I love this director, David Yates, and it's also got Steve Cloves as the writer. The author is not the writer of the film. That. And Steve Cloves is, the, Cloves is the guy who wrote all of the films except for Order of the Phoenix. That, to me, feels good. Like, that, that, okay, I'll go along to get along with that. Like, this guy knows what he's doing. He knows the world. He knows the universe. So when I see the trailer, it's a little co- colored by my previous experience from the Fantastic Beasts, um, um, like, IP. But I, I know that it's in better hands. I, I know that it's in, hopefully, hopefully better hands. Yes, I agree. All right. So um, fun fact that Blake doesn't know, nor do any of you who haven't read any further than this, but we've already spoiled. We already know what's happening. We already know that Body Crouch Sr. is going to be killed. Um, not only is he killed by Foe Moody, but Foe Moody transfigures him. Yes. And buries this bone in this newly dug up soil that is just so freshly turned. So it's not like Moody has to have a hard time tilling some soil to make sure that he can bury the evidence of his father's passing. Yeah. Hmm. So gross. So sad. So true. 
just another interesting little thing, of course, putting on in there. Okay, so oh, hold on, I, I got the, uh, the 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 origin for fridging the girl. Okay, just remember, this is a family show. I know, no, it's it's fine. Uh, the term, sometimes off referred to as fridging, was popularized uh, by a woman writer, um, and it's on that site. She says uh, there is a list of instances where female comic book characters who were killed off as a plot device. Uh, in, in one case in particular, uh, it, it for uh, Green Lantern, a woman was killed in a refrigerator. And and when women are killed or injured or whatever, and they use that as a plot device to further the hero's story, they now refer to that as fridging the girl. Wow. Really glad I learned that today. <laughs> okay. So let's move on to Hermione's new um, new subscription. To the Daily Prophet. Yes. Okay. She's she's done hearing things through hearsay. She's going to spend the money and use her allowance to buy herself a subscription. And what comes in actually is this crazy barrage of not fan mail, hater mail of all these witches who loathe Hermione Granger and shame on Hogwarts for not having like a male protection system for students yeah. and shame on these witches who go after a 14 year old girl. Um, it's just so incredibly sad. And I don't know. I, I can't really liken it to anything because it makes me wonder, you know, if there is someone famous at a university, Emma Watson, for example, went to school in our state, Rhode Island. Mm-hmm. Fun fact, Hermione went to state here. Went, I got went to, to see school her. here. Yeah. Went state. to school here. Yeah. In our <laughs> state. I saw her a couple of times. Yeah. And, um, could people just write letters, Brown University, Providence, Rhode Island, care of Emma Watson, and would she get it? Or would Well, that's different because she is a celebrity at that point. Like she had she had been in multi billion dollar franchise, whereas Hermione is just Hermione. Yeah, but like could someone do that to Harry Potter? If they can get to Hermione, well, I can't. I believe that they would protect. I don't think they would protect Harry Potter with owl mail. I don't think so either. Post. To be honest, and Harry is a celebrity, a new celebrity. <laughs> um, I, you're right, Mary. I think there is a fair criticism here of the school. I also think there's a fair criticism of the author, though. Though I think that this was probably put in. It was probably put in for a reason. Okay. If you look at it, this book came out in 2000. Mm -hmm. The film, the first film came out in, what, 2001? And this is when the series exploded uh, Harry Potter. Um, I mean, yes, obviously the books were very important by that point. Um, The books uh, were, you know, worldwide bestsellers. So I think there's probably a little bit of commentary for that, but also, but because the film was starting to be developed at this point, I think there's a little bit of commentary, like perhaps maybe the author was receiving hate mail. Ooh, okay. Uh, Perhaps there were members of the team that were receiving hate mail. Like, I know that Steven Spielberg was supposed to direct the first Harry Potter film, but then it ended up with Chris Columbus. I wonder if he got hate mail. You know, it's... 
I, I loved too how like one of the letters was like cut up pieces of paper. Our kids don't even know what that means. Like when they were listening to that yeah, part. Yeah, yeah. All I can picture the is the magazine. bodyguard with Whitney Houston. <laughs> That's all I can picture right now. And y'all know what I'm talking about. But yeah, like it's just not. <laughs> so glad you have that sound clip that just gets to be used all the time. Um, Whitney will yeah, never get old. She will, she will never, She'll man. She'll never she get old. Will, Neville. Neville. <laughs> <laughs> COVID fog's got you. Oh, it has got me good. <laughs> Today is officially officially a month. One month of COVID symptoms for Mary today. Mm. Long haulers unite. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta tell you. I mean, we were just having a little a little moment. I need some Madame Pomfrey. The rest of my family, nothing happened to them. Yeah. yeah. Nothing. You you need you need some. Me? I need some bippity boppity. Hey, hey how about how about Hagrid giving Hermione some pointers on hate mail? He's just like, yeah, you know what? Don't don't open it anymore. Because there were people that were telling me that my mom should die, that I should die, that you know, like all these things were being said to me. Like, how sad is that? Uh, how 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 unfortunate. Is it that Hagrid, of all people, was receiving hate mail because of his mom and like how that came out? Well, not even his mom. It's because of the the, the you know the journalist. Who That's what I'm saying. To spin it. So, yeah, I mean, trust me, there are many people who that happens to. And like you said, it's just interesting for the author to kind of take this route to show you that sometimes people can skew skew things in in the news. Um, but I agree. I think that it's very kind that Hagrid does this, but also how sad it is that Mrs. Weasley sends Hermione a egg that is like smaller oh. than a chicken egg. When the boys get this giant toffee-filled extravagant thing, this is her future daughter-in-law. Yeah. And Hermione never brings this up. You never hear Hermione be like, yeah, you know what I mean? Like later in life, like, love you, mom. Except for that one time. This is... That's how you know Hermione is isn't a, a Taurus. This is an extremely <laughs> awesome little tidbit that I think goes way underplayed in this world uh, and in this universe in that Molly Weasley is looked at like the paragon of mothers. Like she... you, If you had Molly Weasley as your mother, you knew like you were in good shape. And here she is being wicked petty, wicked petty with Hermione um, about all this stuff Mm -hmm. and not sending her a proper Easter gift. Like, Mm -hmm. come on, man, that that's that's pretty low. And you would never picture Molly Weasley like that. No, it's just you wouldn't. When I read this, I I my mouth like dropped. Um, because I was just, I was legitimately shocked at how petty of a move this was from Molly Weasley. Mm. Like, it was baffling. Like, come on, man. Like, would you relax? And even if it were true, and even if it what, she, it, what Molly was reading was true, Hermione is 14 years old. What do you think is going to happen when you're dealing with a 14-year-old girl in feelings and relationship? Like... Of course she's going to be fickle. Of course she's going to be like, 
have a little mini love triangle the way that it's being proposed. But what's even worse is that it's not even true to begin with. I know. And you just think about like all the drama that you had in your own lives in the 13, 14, 15, 16 and up ranges when you would have a crush on somebody or you would ask somebody out, you know, like, thank God mine wasn't written about. Yeah. And mine, and I'm not even like a juicy, sassy person back in high school, yeah. but I remember having to ask a girlfriend of mine. So she broke up with her boyfriend and the boyfriend was actually tall enough for me to go to prom with. And I was like, can I please just like go with your ex-boyfriend to prom? Would that be kind of weird? <laughs> and she said it was fine. Said it was totally fine. She didn't really like him. She broke up with him. They'd been broken up for a while. I wasn't even that interested in him as a boyfriend. She's like, yeah, oh my gosh, completely okay. She was not okay. She was not okay with it. She already had a new boyfriend, but it was all gossipy. But I... I would have been written about in The Daily Prophet. Yes, absolutely. And it goes to show you the power of The Daily Prophet, and it goes to show you the power that it maintains over even people like Molly Weasley and uh, how Rita Skeeter's word is still very dangerous. And I don't think it's a coincidence that Hermione finally takes her own agency in subscribing to the Daily Prophet so she finally gets the news Uh, and I don't think it's coincidence that Molly falls prey to the gossip of the rags uh, in this chapter in the same instance agreed Um, and it's just it's so petty it's just so petty but you know what's not petty though Mary and this was actually my favorite part of this chapter when the part Ron, that actually matters? When No, when oh. Ron's talking to Harry. Oh. And Ron says, hey, why don't you tell me about the leprechaun gold? And Harry says, what are you, what are you talking about? Like, what, what do you mean? We don't talk about Bruno. Yeah. <laughs> and, well, you, you know, the gold that I gave you was leprechaun gold and it disappeared. You didn't even say nothing. Like, how do you think that makes me feel? Like, blah, blah. And, and they get into this argument and, you know, I think there's merit on both sides. But... What comes out of the argument for me is what matters most. And that is this beautiful admission from Ron. I hate being poor. It sucks to be poor. I love that. I love that as a bit of writing. And I love that as a just a layer of Ron that has been alluded to this entire time. Mm -hmm. But he finally comes out and says it. And... Part of me wants this to be in the movie. Well, you know, no, I get it. I mean, it does add such a different layer to him to really show you the difference between him and Harry. And then it goes on and talks about the twins and how, you know, they want to make their own way and they want to make their money. And I don't blame them for wanting to do that. You know, I wish I, <laughs> I could do something like that. Um, and what I love is that Harry has to say it a few times. Ron, I was kind of busy. Yeah, there okay. were Death Eaters yeah. running around. And someone stole my wand. And this, like, giant thing happened in the sky. Like, I'm really sorry I forgot about your gold. Like, I yeah. forgot a lot of things at that point. And, I and, literally had my wand stolen And Harry's from not me. wrong. Like, no. there are bigger things that are happening. But again, at the same time, Ron isn't wrong. Like, yeah, wouldn't it be nice to just not worry about gold? Wouldn't it be nice to just, like, have gold and forget about it? Like, wouldn't you think Harry would say, oh, yeah. Like, I just think about the few times when I go inside, and you know, like a summer wallet. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, my 
God, hey, $10 bill. <laughs> you know, like, that's exciting. Anyone else find that when you go through our, our pockets of different seasoned clothes and you just, sometimes you empty it and it's like old movie ticket stubs yeah, yeah. and other random junk. And then you get that money and you're, you're like, like, oh. That's 10 bucks I don't got. I you didn't have. You feel like Ron Weasley yeah. as he's scooping up the leprechaun gold. Uh, Rachel here says, hashtag poor people parfait. Yes. <laughs> that, that's a good pull from uh, from This Is Us too, ladies and gents. Um, yeah, uh, we, we had a big conversation about poor people parfait on, yeah. on This Is Us too. Yeah. Uh, how Mary grew up thinking what parfait was. I know what parfait is, and I have shown you it in the no, stores. No, I know. I it's know. a different thing for a different tax bracket, Blake. I, I, oh, my God. We were having a conversation <laughs> about actual parfait. Okay. And you were telling it's me about poor people parfait. It's still to us. It's still real to us. <laughs> Just <laughs> jello and whipped cream. <laughs> so... Okay, so the real meat and potatoes of this chapter, of course, is we get to learn about the third task. They are taking over the Quidditch pitch. Cedric Diggory, he's aghast. This is like the worst thing he's ever seen his whole life. Yeah. The Quidditch pitch has hedges on it. <laughs> and Ludo and now Bagman. Now all I can think of is, is Robert Pattinson as Batman, so it's hard for God. me. It's hard for me to think of like him as Cedric Diggory now. Okay. I, all I picture now is super angsty Robert Pattinson from Batman running around the Quidditch pitch. <laughs> I've been awake at night for two years. <laughs> it's like I'm nocturnal. No joke. The first lines of the Batman. All, all you could picture it as is Edward Cullen. All I wanted to hear, Mary, was just, it was just one line. I know you know what it is. Say, Say it. it. Out loud. Out loud. That's all I wanted to hear. I'm not spoiling the movie for y'all. I'm just saying literally the first line out of Edward, out of Robert Pattinson, a.k.a. Batman's mouth. It's been two years and I've been awake at night. It's like I'm almost not turtle. (laughs) Like, how did did someone... Someone said your most popular role wasn't Cedric Diggory. It's about being a vampire. You know what he should have said? It's like a magic. Yeah. It's It's like magic. It's like magic. It's like someone... Like, you would think that one of his handlers would be like, They should have had him just jump out of a tree. (laughs) (laughs) That's my boy! (laughs) With the band playing in the background. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Um, You would think that one of his handlers would be like, Hey, Bob, we can't do this. That sounds a little vampire. This is a little vampy. Little vampy, we can't do this. We gotta like okay. chill out with that. So Sorry. we get to the hedges. By the way, he is Cedric tremendous Diggory. as Batman. He is. He really is tremendous as Batman. Agreed. He, he's Agreed. second only, only to Christian Bale, who is always hashtag my Batman. <laughs> However, there's one moment when when Catwoman is looking at someone's grave, oh, and she's yeah. like, "And that person died when I was seven, and it's a 2004." Yeah. <laughs> Oh. And I was like, what? what? Oh, I'm old. Oh, I'm old. Okay, so here we are. We're at the hedges. That Ludo Bagman is so excited. There's going to be some miracle grow. You just wait to see what Hagrid does to this. And everybody's there. And Ludo's just pumped. He's like, it's going to be easy. It's going to be great. And yes, Floor, you, you stink. But, you know, maybe you'll find your way through. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. And Crumb in such a beautiful, upstanding way, comes up to Harry and says, listen, is there something going on between you and Hermione? And some people may say, 
Crumb, just go ask Hermione yourself. Yeah. But I don't think Crumb and Hermione are that that serious in regards to their deep conversation level. And um, bless you. Um, and he does see Harry a lot, so I I don't I don't see anything wrong him going man to man and asking if there's something going on because I yeah. really like her, yeah. but I don't want to be doing wrong by you or wrong by her, and I just want to double check. And I just really liked this, but then it also made me think, Crumb's eighteen, pining after, yeah, a fourteen year old. Year. Well, I think like, Hermione might be fifteen. What, whatevs. Okay, it doesn't but make still, a difference. Yeah, <laughs> fourteen or fifteen still ain't good. When you're 18. Hey, but she is very smart. Sure. And very, you know, mature for her age. And um, I can appreciate it. There, I, hey, there are bigger age differences. I know in high school it's a little different. Yeah, but it's, it's different. And you know that it's different. Like, it's just, it's wildly different. And he still can't say her name. Yeah. <laughs> Hermione. Um, I, and they I, do that. Oh, her, who wrote Hermione? And I just love it because this is when... The Potter books did start to get big, yeah. And this is why Everyone Victor Crumb out. can't can't say Hermione's name, yeah, because the author had to like make it very clear to everybody. Oh no, it's Hermione. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I do love two things in this. One is like Crumb does talk to Harry, and I love that the maze first is representative of the fact that it's not just about being a witch or wizard it's about understanding yourself and understanding your maturity and how to function like it's one thing to be good at magic but to be able to function as a mature person and not lose your cool not lose your calm um that's really great and the fact that crumb does act in a way that is representative of of like a mature adult when it comes to this situation. Again, I don't think it's here by coincidence. Implicit in that is that Crumb is probably the most mature of the group, uh, and he should be able to navigate this maze with ease. The only other person that is as that exhibits as much maturity as Crumb in this instance is Harry, uh, in that he says to Crumb. Yeah, like, yeah, Hermione talks a lot. That's right. And she talks about me a lot because we're friends. Like, that's okay. We're friends. We're nothing more than just friends. And the fact that the author allows for this opportunity, that the author allows for, like, what is honestly a really great friendship between a male and a female, you don't in in the movie world or in the probably more so in the written world, but especially in the movie world, you just don't see uh, an actual real genuine friendship between a male and a female all that much. You, you just don't. Um, she just, and, and, and the author allows for that um, in the, um, in, in this story. And I think that's great. I think that's really great. Agreed. Can you do me a favor though and just unplug your thing because it's uh, making my making my okay. That's fine. Thank you. No problem. <laughs> Sorry, our little asses. I'm just juggling a lot. Yeah. With 
with my exhaustion. So okay, so right. you know what we're gonna do? I think we're going to cut this one. Wait, body crouch. Well, yeah, yeah. We're getting uh, uh, to the meat and potatoes. No, no. After the body crouch, we're just oh, gonna, okay. we're gonna cut it. We're not, we're not gonna do the listener feedback yeah, no, or a different to. perspective. We have to. No, we don't. Um, cause we got, it's late and we got a lot of things going on here. So body crouch shows up and he's crazy. Senior. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, body crouch senior shows up and he's crazy and Harry's talking to him, uh, and being like, and he, and, and he's talking about to, to trees and he's talking about Dumbledore and how he is son. And, and again, we're, we're led to believe that his son's croaked. So you think about him as like talking in in ways about his son and and like not ways that are are of affection, but since we know what happened, it's ways of like uh, resistance and regret almost. Um, and I think that's important for this chapter. I think that's important because it, it allows you to get into the guy's brain a little bit, um, but also recognize that. His brain is a little scrambled, and he and he knows that his son's alive, right? Doesn't he? Yes. Yeah. So yes, there's, that's all. That's also a layer of all of and this that's too. Why he's saying like it's all my fault, my son, and Harry's like, yeah, I know, I know about your son. I'm sorry, and he's like, no, it's bad. I got it. My son's a problem. Voldemort's back, and yeah, my yeah. son's a problem, and it's my fault. And Harry's like, I know, sir. I, I yeah, sure, sure. It's fine. Yep. Yep. So, um, and I think what, what is wild about this is Dumbledore does what he does. And we've always talked, I think, about Dumbledore and how much he knows um, in the story and how much he allows in the story. This, to me, is clear evidence that he doesn't know everything that we think he knows. Agreed. Because if he knew that Body Crouch... J- Junior was full moody. There is zero point zero chance that he is allowing full moody to go after Body Crouch Senior. I know. And there, keep in mind, full moody has the Marauders map too this entire time, so he's just able to be like, "Oh, oh, okay, yeah, um, right." Snape and seeing chatting with Harry and all these different little things, and it's it's bad news bears for sure. <sighs> I, I love how, though, that the author makes this happen. Like, because we all talked about how this is like a crazy instance, uh, how this is like a, a, a really transitional moment for the book and how it just kind of comes out of nowhere. But what the author does is that even though, even though this is kind of a wild moment, she does imbue a lot of clues and in- interesting tidbits into this moment so that it's not there for just the sake of being there. It's important to the narrative in that everything that has kind of come before has Birth led to Jorkins. this moment. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Um, she, The author can allow for a moment like this and still not blow the doors out right it's she, she's still allowing for the for the mystery to be there but giving us as a reader something that can just that can that can flip you and say whoa especially as a first time reader right yes it's no, not it, you know it's we were talking about the scooby-doo effect on the last kingdom with mary and blake last episode this is this is the opposite of the scooby-doo effect agreed this is the 
this, this is the, I could have gotten away with it too if it wasn't for you. Rascal kids. Rascal kids. Like this is the, whoa, something's up here and it's only going to continue. And I think that's really excellent. Yeah. I think that's really excellent. Um, anything else about this? Hagrid. Hagrid oh, yeah. gets mad at Karkaroff. Oh, yeah. I mean, Karkaroff shows up and spits on Dumbledore's at his feet. And Hagrid's like... Well, his, his student was just attacked and he doesn't yeah. understand what's going on. So, I just not I th- saying it's right. I, I, I also think that... <sighs> I think that Hagrid's reaction is a really great commentary on Hagrid and the society in which he lives, uh, but also our society in general, which is, he says, you know, you don't go trust in those foreign peoples anymore. Um, And this is meant, this whole Triwizard thing, I mean, it's kind of like, you know, bread and circuses uh, a little bit to avoid the truth of the matter of you know, um, all we need is Hermione crying at the Yule Ball speech. Yeah, pretty much. Um, <laughs> International. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cooperation. <laughs> um, but you know, this is meant to bring people together, and here is Dumbledore, uh, Hagrid. You know, coming out and just being like, "Yeah, I don't trust those people. You, you can't. You can't." You can't mess around with them. You shouldn't be with Victor Crumb, and we shouldn't be talking to them, and all this other stuff. And this is how Voldemort initially came to power to begin with, right? That divide and manipulating and leveraging that divide. So you could see it already starting to repeat itself here a little bit. You know, it's uh, it's pretty interesting. When you have these kind of conversations and you're like, Hagrid, like, come on, man, we don't say that kind of thing. But you and I are older. Yes. And um, I was in the car today. And at the time that we're recording this, of course, it is March 4th, 2022. And one of our kids said, um, you know, this child was acting mean to me and sticking her tongue out at me. So I stuck my tongue back out at her and I don't like her because she's Russian. I said, excuse me? And this child said, yeah, well, they're part Russian, so that's why they're acting this way. Mm. And I said, listen, first off, no. You know, um, second of off, this isn't that person. And just because someone may be of that nationality doesn't mean that their actions or their beliefs line up with the president of that country or, you know, whatever. But it was just, to me, Hagrid's comment was like that of a child. And so, you know, it's interesting to, luckily we're able to have a really great conversation Mm -hmm. and say like, oh, some people haven't liked, you know, our current president or the previous presidents or things like that. But like, does that reflect upon you? No. Okay. So same thing here. Same thing. And so we're able to have a beautiful learning experience and I'm happy that it happened in my car and not at school um, you know, or any of these yeah. kind of things. But that's what I'm saying is that occasionally we have these moments with Hagrid because of his naive, naivete that we that he is allowed to have that. Dumbledore wouldn't say that. McGonagall, hopefully, you know, wouldn't say things like yeah, that. Yeah. But Hagrid can kind of get away with saying something like that. Ron can get away with saying things like that. Do, do we sit there and say, Ron, like, why do you talk badly about house elves or whatever? Mm-hmm. But we, we keep it to consideration. He's young and he has to get taught by Harry and Hermione. Yeah. And, you know, 
um, Har- Hagrid, you know, he's burned now by Madame Maxine. He's having Cockroft spitting. And Hagrid's seen what people have thought of him as a half giant. So it's just... I. I love having Potter because it really happens at beautiful times yeah. where I know I'm going to be able to have this conversation where Hagrid speaks badly about foreigners with um, with our child. Yeah. And I'll be able yeah. to say, hey, you know what we said in the in the car? Yeah. You know, and and I, I think open things on a different scope. I think it's pretty remarkable, first of all, that our that kids are able to discern stuff like that and make their own judgment you know as naive as that judgment is the fact that they can still put those things together and make their own moral like um assessments i think it's pretty remarkable that how quickly that starts um you know our our kids are six and eight respectively right so you know for that to happen I, i just think that's a pretty wild thing but then again at the same time their perspective is just so narrow that they can't have an understanding other than what, you know, has been presented to them. Um, So it's important, as you said, Mary, to have those kind of conversations, which is why it's even more, I don't want to say troubling, but eye-opening that Hagrid has this kind of moral assessment uh, the way that our our children would. Because Baker here on Facebook says, it's also insane that Hagrid is half giant and has that viewpoint. Baker, I think I would argue that I think it's, I think it's reasonable that he has that assessment because he is a half giant. I think you were just about to say that, Mary, because everybody has treated him like mm-hmm. like nothing. And he's he's been put in Azkaban. He was thrown out of Hogwarts and then he's getting hate mail uh, about his mother and how she was a murderer and how he should die and like all this stuff <clears throat> that all plays into it. So for him to have that judgment so quickly, yeah, that it, as as naive as it may be, it's understandable because of his perspective and how narrow that perspective is. Um, so yeah, I think I think that's pretty pretty remarkable uh, for the author to weave all of this stuff in there into this one chapter that just seems to um, that just seems to touch on almost everything in the plot. Uh, and also almost everything emotionally that's already that has come so far uh for all of our characters really uh, it's pretty remarkable uh that she was able to weave all this stuff into this one chapter the way that she did okay. all right anything else for this uh for this chapter no all right well we're going to close this one early uh ladies and gents i need to do my different perspective no we're not i'm ready gonna, for oh, it oh you you okay all right oh, yeah. all right all right here we go we're going to do different perspective here we go Holy cricket, you're Harry Potter. I'm Hermione Granger. And you are? Victor Crumb. Victor! Can I call you Vic? No. No. <laughs> okay. No, Victor. thank you. Okay, f- fair enough. Thank you. Yeah, you <laughs> Respect my name. I respect yours. Uh, okay. Thank sure, you. Sure. You don't even know who you're talking to right now. You said you're Hermione Miney. <laughs> 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 so, I I had the best day. Yeah, you did. Not really. No. Oh well, wait. Well, how can you have the best day and the, then have a not it, really? There's this saying: best times, worst times. That's what I had. Oh, the best of time, the worst. Okay, gotcha. All Harry, right. Harry freaking Potter. Yeah. Uh, uh, okay. Play sure. that song, Harry freaking Potter. <laughs> you play it all the time on this thing. I hear uh, it. Uh, <laughs> I hear it. Harry freaking Potter. 
Yeah, love Darren Chris. Uh, um, <laughs> he, 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 the guy that you yeah. know, the uh-huh. you must not be named kid with the scar. Yeah, yeah, that guy. He saw me do the Ronsky faint. <laughs> what? He saw me do the Ronsky faint. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Oh my gosh, I'm so proud. I'm Why? so proud. Because Harry friggin' Potter saw me do a really cool move and thinks I'm cool. <laughs> and he's I best friends with Hermione. Her, Hermione. And, and he thinks I'm cool. So if her best friend thinks I'm cool, oh, I'm yeah. cool to Hermione. <laughs> Score! <laughs> Great day. Then Harry friggin' Potter. I'm just chilling here. Uh. Being, being bros. Yeah. Creepy crouch comes out. <laughs> crazy creepy couch crouch cr- comes out of everywhere. Cr- crazy creepy crazy couch creepy comes couch. out. Crazy creepy couch. Yeah, you know that word. <laughs> comes out uh-huh. talking to dead people. Voldemort. I heard he was he's, talking about trees. Talking to trees. Oh my gosh. Wasn't I, that wild? I just want to go and write my letter to Hermione Nimoni me. Okay? <laughs> Harry freaking Potter, who I just became friends with. Yep. Yep. Says, can you wait here with crazy crouch? I didn't even get to say no. He, he just he went and took off. Just went and took off. So you went, you were having a good moment, and then Harry freaking Potter leaves. Ruined me. the moment. He leaves me. Leaves you with a crazy guy. Yeah. And what happened to you? I was like the girl in Jurassic Park. He left us. <laughs> he left us. Welcome. He did. To Jurassic Park. <laughs> then I don't remember anything. And then, yeah, you just... And I got in trouble. <laughs> got in trouble. Bad you're day. Kill, you're killing me today. <laughs> Listen, crouch. I mean, we, you, you already had COVID. You already had it. You can't have it again right now. Mary has it. Leave. Oh, man. No more coughing. Oh, man. Can't be coughing, creeping out. Crouch. Crumb, crumb, you're killing me. Oh, my goodness. You're making me laugh too hard today, Crumb. Oh, my Gosh. So the end. Best of times, burst of times. Best of time and burst of time. Oh, and Bertha Jawkins. I don't know who she is. He sounds like you got COVID fog. I don't even know what that means. Does Hermione have it? I kissed her <laughs> with her cherry chapstick. <laughs> I liked it. The end. You know, you should write a song about that, Crumb. <laughs> sounds like a good idea to me. <laughs> the end. Oh, Marvin, that was great. Good job. <laughs> You're welcome. Oh, all right. Let's close this bad boy out, shall we? Okay. All right, let's do it. Thank you so much for listening to my mommy and daddy's podcast. <laughs> if you like it, make sure if you leave a review. An Apple podcast. That's right. Oh, now you guys all know why I have long COVID because I'm always covered in a child. So at some it's point, a, a, yeah, all, all the time. They find me even at night. They're like zombies. Yeah. 
<laughs> they just come walking up. It's like Dawn of the Dead. <laughs> yes. Or Sirius, just creeping on into Gryffindor Tower. Just anyway. with, with a knife staring at no, Ron. No, none of that happens. <laughs> so, ladies and gents, if you are not yet on our complimentary texting service, you're going to want to get in on that. Next couple of weeks, we're going to be having a different kind of schedule, so keep your eyes on our socials. We are posting the schedules there. On that note, my name is Mary. My name is Blake. And what's your name? Mischief managed. Oh, okay, yeah, that that's right. Mischief managed. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. <laughs>